0: I always describe the future with four characteristics. Intelligent, networked, collaborative, and sustainable. This all happens in one system, on one cloud ERP platform. And now we are infusing artificial intelligence here to improve those insights, but also then create more of a prediction, foresight, forecasting, simulation. Welcome to the Future ERP podcast.
1: My name is Richard Howells. I'm a Vice President for Thought Leadership for SAP's ERP Finance and Supply Chain Solutions. And I'm pleased to be joined by my co-host for today's podcast, Oiku. Welcome back, IQ, and please introduce yourself. Hello, everyone. My name is Oiku Lgar. I'm a blogger, marketer, and podcaster in the area of ERP and supply chain at SAP. And today, we're going to be discussing how to enable sustainable business in the cloud with SAP's Jan Gilg. Welcome, Yang. Would you like to introduce yourself a little bit about your background and your current role?
0: Yes, absolutely. And thanks for having me today. My name is Jan Gilg. I'm the president and chief product officer of what we call Cloud ERP here at SAP. It's basically the market category that covers ERP, finance and digital supply chain. So I'm responsible for the product and development side of this portfolio. And this is actually the portfolio that has been more or less organically grown inside of SAP over the last couple of decades and that we have brought also into the cloud over the last couple of years, I would say. Maybe in terms of myself, I'm with the company now in the 18th year. I started as a consultant here at SAP moved to the US, spent 10 years over there in various roles, actually, from strategy to you know business development and pre-sales. Ran internal IT here for a couple of years, was in charge for our own business applications, the introduction of S4HANA Cloud here, also at SAP. And then since 2019, uh, I started the role as the chief product officer for S4HANA Cloud. And then a year later, the supply chain portfolio was added here as well. And I believe 2021, we started to develop our sustainability portfolio, partially also out of the core in ERP.
1: It seems that at the moment in our personal lives everything is now in the cloud and as a service and increasingly we're seeing this in our business lives too. So my first question comes in two parts. Why would you say moving to the cloud is so important today from a
0: business perspective and how does it help companies be more sustainable. Yeah, I think, and I said that also at Sapphire this year, if you ask an end user why they would buy a certain product from a company, let's say a shoe or a clothes or something like that, they would never say because you run your ERP solution in the cloud, (laughs) right? So they don't care and they shouldn't. (laughs) What companies care about, of course, is to make sure those consumers are happy with the product experience and that they actually come back and they buy more and they develop a certain loyalty towards the brand and so on. And therefore, they are looking for IT solutions that can help them do exactly that. And what we have seen in the last couple of years, there has not been better platform than the cloud that enables this kind of an experience. And why is that? Because everything is available, a lot of data is available online immediately at the moment when the data is needed and a cloud platform is basically operated typically by a vendor that has the necessary scale and experience to run those kind of platforms. And that is of course a huge advantage for companies that that they can tap into that. The cloud also allows customers to consume innovation than software innovation basically on an ongoing basis, which is something that in the on-premise world hasn't happened. And we've seen this over the years with the experience of now over 50 years in ERP. Frankly, in the on-premise world, customers always fall behind because the upgrade becomes so difficult for them to do. They have been adding a lot of custom code to their solution and therefore they get stuck. And they cannot take advantage of a lot of uh, technology innovation that we are able to provide to our customers. So therefore, uh, the cloud as a platform has huge advantages when it comes to creating a business outcome for our customers. So I think that is really important that we always talk about this technology platform as a means to create outcome for our customers and benefits, of course, for them and for their end users. And then at the end, when it comes to sustainability, it's very similar. I think on the one hand side, it is of course top now of any corporate agenda and the ability for businesses to use the data they already have about their operations to address some of the sustainability requirements and goals is a valuable asset, especially when it's coupled with the stream of innovations that is being developed to support this growing domain into the future. And here again, it's all about the data and how do I access the data in a very easy way, actually, as a company. And there have been many studies, right? and over 40% of corporate executives, for instance, They regard insufficient data as the most significant objective or obstacle, actually, to achieve ESG goals followed by regulatory constraint and then inconsistent criteria and inadequate experience. But again, data or insufficient data is leading here, and therefore, I believe it is, again, a huge benefit to leverage a cloud platform because access to data is so much easier and if the operational systems run in the cloud as well the most valuable data which is running through ERP and supply chain solutions is right there and can be combined then with all kinds of external data that companies need to tap into then to also report on ESG that's why I believe also here the cloud will make a huge difference to our customers on their way to become a sustainable enterprise. You're right I mean the ESG regulations there's over 600
1: now and there's going to be more and if you can't keep up with the latest regulations in your business system you can't keep up with the law and if you've got a an on-premise solution where you can't upgrade and take advantage of these capabilities it'll become a major problem so you gave a great example of why cloud and sustainability come together
0: Yeah, and maybe just to add on that, you talked about the law and you talk about compliance and that is something SAP always stood for. And I would say the success that we have seen in the ERP space has been by and large our ability to offer kind of a financial system of truth uh, in any country with a global uh, footprint. And we keep it up to date with a lot of work for our customers in the on premise world, to your point. And we do this automatically actually in the cloud and we look at sustainability in the same way. Customers will be asked to also account uh, for their sustainability, not only report on it and you know, there will be regulatory standards just like SRS uh, for the financial world there's going to be equivalence then for sustainability. And therefore, we treat this really the same and believe it has to be an integral part of a modern cloud ERP plan. We
1: just had a few weeks ago had a session with
0: Jin Steinhauser around the green ledger and carbon accounting. So that fits in perfectly with that description. Thank you. Yes. And, and that is for us a huge development at the moment. And so you see how this is really intertwined. And when we talk about sustainability at SAP, From our solution portfolio perspective, we really talk end to end across our entire portfolio, including additional components that we have built on top, the control tower, sustainability control tower, sustainability footprint management, or what we are doing for circular economy. But at the core, there will be again a system of truth. And that is the ERP solution, the cloud ERP solution, where we will capture then actually in a ledger, sustainability documents right and when you think about the value proposition of erp in the first place it was always to combine the value flow with the material flow and every movement of material is creating an equivalent on the financial side the same thing is true when you think about sustainability every material movement every whether it's through production or through logistics is creating also a carbon footprint. It is using up natural resources and all this will be captured in the ERP solution and then eventually will be posted into a ledger and it will be accounted for so that companies cannot basically get away with any sort of greenwashing or anything like that because this is actually something that is auditable at the end of the day, just like a balance sheet or a p and Therefore, the green ledger is really a central development for us and innovation that is very, very closely tied to the world of ERP.
1: And how does Cloud ERP help businesses to focus on reliability, having the right products at the right place at the right time and creating more sustainable supply chains?
0: Yeah, and that has been a huge topic in the last couple of years, and we've all experienced shortages of all kinds of products that we never thought would be possible. One example, I was in the UK a couple of weeks ago, and they ordered a BLT, which is bacon, lettuce, tomato sandwich. And they said they couldn't give it to me because they ran out of tomatoes. And you thought, how is that even possible? But you think about what could be the reasons behind that. It's actually a complex supply chain, and sometimes we underestimate how complex supply chains even are for very simple products. So if you think about something like tomatoes, obviously the climate change is impacting crops quite significantly. Then we are seeing soaring energy prices, which causes UK greenhouses to shut down during the winter, for instance. We see shortage of labor, which translates then to no truck uh, drivers being able to deliver the goods. And then, of course, geopolitical reasons that restrict movements of goods and divert them to other countries. Those are all macro political or economic trends that we see now, that we saw the last couple of years and that have a significant impact on businesses. And therefore the question is, how can we use now technology to address them? And uh, Cloud ERP is, in my opinion, the technical foundation for executing any sort of operations to process data and to drive resilience into the supply chains. And because it does offer, you know, things like extending sourcing capabilities to support commerce or e commerce which is a big trend now, to help organizations respond really more quickly to the supply chain and to those kind of impacts that I described before. Um, we also see the whole topic of business networks. Uh, we connect our ERP solution into our business network, in order to create more visibility to our customers into multiple tiers of the supplier network. Yeah, it's because the earlier they can see and sense certain disruptions, the earlier and better they can react. And in, in our integrated business planning solution, you can model an entire supply network basically as a digital twin, if you will. And then you can actually connect it into the business network. And again, you have access to all this data there and you can sense disrupt much earlier in the process. And on top of that, what we have seen now with some industry specific networks that we are, have released, for instance, in the automotive space, if companies start willingly to share data, you can create ginormous competitive advantages and specifically in the automotive industry probably nobody would have thought that different OEMs and their tier one suppliers would be willing even to share data because they typically afraid to lose a competitive advantage but they did see that if they do so actually the benefits that they can all harvest are much much bigger than what they would lose. And therefore, we see a tremendous traction on an automotive network, which we call Catena X, where use cases are then possible, like managing the quality of parts and cars at large, you know, realizing much earlier in the supply chain that something is broken, and then you can trace it back to a specific pallet, maybe, you know, a handling unit, and not necessarily you have to recall then hundred thousands of cars. And the same is true, obviously, then for other topics in the supply chain and On top of all that, we have very, very powerful possibilities to report on and provide analytics, actually. And not only looking in the rear mirror, but also then leveraging intelligent technologies to really sense things that are happening, predict certain supply spikes or shortages of supply and the same on the demand side. And we have been using artificial intelligence, especially in our supply chain planning solutions already for years. And I believe now with generative AI, we will see another boost actually on those kind of technologies. And again, only in the cloud, this will be possible because there you have all this data coming from different sources, coming from different companies, coming from suppliers across multiple tiers. And that's why I believe ERP specifically and cloud ERP is suited very, very well to bring resilience to the supply chain, but also de-risk a lot of the supply chain. You gave a great example there. First of all, I have to comment, I
1: could tell that you lived in the US for 10 years because you mentioned a BLT and tomato, not tomato. (laughs) The business network and visibility is key because we talk about scope one and scope two and scope three emissions and scope three emissions really are in your network. It's your suppliers having visibility, multiple tiers down that supply chain and you need that visibility. The German due diligence act is all about visibility into your network and to your suppliers and your suppliers' suppliers. And, I, and you're right, I think the only place you can get all of that information together is in the cloud.
0: Yeah, and you mentioned scope three, and that's the most difficult one. And where most of the emissions are in most supply chains. Where most of the emissions are, exactly. And it's pretty much today mostly up to the companies on how they report on it. And there's a lot of trust and not a lot of science in it today. And I believe. The more you digitize this and the more you trace it then basically back and you start working with actuals and not only with averages, as many companies do today, then you actually get much closer to a real truth. Yeah? And this is then, again, going back to the example earlier with the green ledger, what we want to store there, you know, truly the actuals that have been produced, so to speak, but along the entire supply network.
1: Jan, what advice would you give to a business embarking on its sustainability endeavor? What are the most important first steps?
0: (laughs) Yeah, so I I believe, first of all, it's really important uh, to start now. (laughs) Yes, do something. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, we see on a macro political level, obviously, as a planet, we are way behind already, and I believe this will not be something that the government or regulation can solve for us. The private business has to actually step in and has to step up as well and really contribute significantly to bring you know the greenhouse gas emissions down. So therefore, it is absolutely critical to get started. And frankly, I think it's not necessarily only doing good for the planet, which in itself should be reason enough. But at the end of the day, this becomes also a competitive differentiator you know, because many companies and many consumers, frankly, they are looking now very closely you know how are products being produced? how sustainable is a company, and they're not only looking to your point, Richard, into how is this produced specifically in a plant maybe here in the country I live in, but also what suppliers are being used? what are those companies doing in different countries and in low cost countries and so on, so they really look more holistically and they want companies to prove out publicly uh, that they are working on sustainability and you know working towards net zero and so on so therefore. I think it is important to take the steps, also acting as an exemplar what we at SAP here do as well, really trying to get our own operations down to net zero and become carbon neutral in the first place, but then net zero. and yeah, this can be an intimidating at the very beginning, but I think it's something that just you know needs to get started and then you, learn on the way and the good thing is nobody has a definite answer this is a field that is really evolving and you start typically with simple reporting on the scope one i think pretty much everybody has a good handle on it and then the question really is what's the strategy to look into scope two or into scope three can that be a competitive advantage for you as a company And frankly, even if you look into investors and into the capital markets, they look at companies and they value companies also based on their sustainability profile. So that again is something that puts this whole topic on the agenda of the CEO, frankly. And therefore, this is something that should be in the interest of the entire company to drive something as a holistic program and not necessarily only as you know, a work stream somewhere where you create a chief sustainability office, and then you try to start reporting on on your carbon footprint. I think the most successful companies I have seen, and obviously we are working with a lot of the large corporations, especially in industries that are producing a lot of greenhouse gas, they really make this an integral part of their board agenda driven by the executive board, by the CEO themselves. And that is usually how you can also put yourself on the path to success, I would say. Again, there is no silver bullet. I think there's learning for everybody in there, but I also believe that technology can help significantly on this journey.
1: You made several very important points, but the one I wanted to jump on is the competitive differentiator, because, and you mentioned large companies, but also small companies, a few tiers down the supply chain can differentiate themselves by sharing that information up the supply chain to their customers who may be the brand owners, for example, because it can become a competitive differentiator from all types of companies.
0: Yes, no, I agree. And we do also offer a component that allows data sharing then with, between a company and their suppliers. And again, it really comes down to how accurate is this data yeah? and can those suppliers also produce the actuals and you know have a high confidence level that those are the actuals that they then share and to your point that certainly helps and also in rfp situations we see this more and more companies that are issuing rfps for certain goods into a network for instance and we see that on ariba for example where you have sourcing abilities and companies they post tenders on the network they always look for those sustainability characteristics as well And yes, this can be a reason why you win then business actually from a large company. So I absolutely agree.
1: So let's switch gears a little bit. And you mentioned technology in your last few statements. And let's talk about some of the technologies that can make all of this possible. AI, as you've already mentioned, is a hot topic at the moment. It seems that every time I turn on the news, there's a segment about both the good and the bad of AI and the risks also or fears against the unknown of AI. We've just talked about some of the big challenges faced today, whether it be rising inflation or labor shortages or disrupted supply chains, volatility, and of course, the rising challenge of sustainability. So what do you believe AI can do to help alleviate some of these challenges?
0: Yeah, I believe AI, it's a similar discussion to cloud. I think nobody asks for AI, but everybody wants intelligent processes and wants to have insights. And therefore, obviously for a technology company, an application company, I guess AP, the question is how can we leverage also that technology on top of cloud to create business outcomes? And we have decided as a company to really put artificial intelligence into the context of business and industry processes. We believe that is our core competency. You know, over decades, we have basically shaped best practices and gathered best practices based on the thousands and ten thousands of system implementations we see with our customers from very large enterprise all the way down to small and medium-sized enterprises. And so basically. Here, we want to automate business processes on the one hand side. On the other side, provide insights in the context of those processes. And the core value proposition of S4HANA in the first place was really to combine the analytical world with the transactional world and not having to move data out again into a separate system, build additional models on top in order to get some operational insights. This all happens in one system, on one cloud ERP platform. And now we are infusing artificial intelligence here to improve those insights, but also then create more of a prediction, foresight, forecasting, simulations. I mentioned some of those examples, specifically when it comes to demand supply match, forecasting, and so on. So we see many use cases, for instance, how artificial intelligence can assist finance teams in controlling costs and reducing risk by identifying, responding to changes in, in customer sentiments, or for sales teams that could benefit from the automation of sales order functions and streamlining order processing by eliminating manual data entry, which we still see a lot actually, even though you wouldn't believe that. And there's also opportunity to leverage AI in the procurement space and yeah, to navigate market dynamics, engage with suppliers, enforce compliance. So there's plenty of use cases in the process worlds that we capture with cloud ERP. And this is how we want to build in artificial intelligence. What's interesting, I believe, on top of that and above and beyond, there's areas of interest. So first of all, for us internally, of course, when it comes to developing software, how can we improve our own tooling for code generation, test code generation, and so on, uh, test script generation to improve the quality also of our software. We really bring it down to to zero, so to speak, zero regressions. Very, very important in the SaaS world specifically, where every quality issue is, is experienced immediately by many customers. But also we are looking into um, how can we bring down implementation time of our software? Because at the end of the day, to implement a system, you basically answer business questions, right? And how can we translate that then into system configuration and automate that process as much as possible? Or tasks like like data migration, which is specifically relevant to some of our customers that are still sitting on older versions of our our ERP solution. How can we help them actually transition into the cloud ERP world much, much quicker? So you see even above and beyond putting specific business use cases into the software itself, we are also looking left and right on topics like data migration and so on. And the last topic I want to mention is user experience. I think that is really going to change fundamentally with artificial intelligence. If you think about how end user want to interact with the system through language or just to writing sentences in natural language, at the end of the day, why do you use a system? Because you have business questions, right? So ideally, you can just ask those questions to an ERP system. The data is all there. It should actually return you with the right answers, with recommendations, with options on what to do. And it can then actually put it also again into action. And I believe that will fundamentally change the nature of ERP. So we as
1: software developers, for example, can't think of every question that you'd want to ask the system. So if you can just ask it in your natural language and in your own language as well, I mean, that's the other key thing. It could be in any language that you're asking the question and get that answer. It's, it's, it's a win-win. And yes. as you say, it changes the dynamics of
0: how you use business systems. Yeah, no, that's why, I mean, we've developed pre-built analytics for years and it only goes so far. We've seen any customer add additional layers of analytics and reporting on top of their systems because to what you just said, nobody can pre-think all those questions. And therefore, again, I believe this will really turn around where a customer basically asks any question or an end user. And the system will be able to return a response without anybody having to build a specific report or dashboard or anything like that.
1: Are there any quick wins that you
0: see, other than some of the ones you just mentioned, for AI in particular? Yeah, I think some I mentioned, but specifically on the user experience side, we see that uh, digital assistant is something we have already in the product. We will improve here the intelligence of that uh, tool to, in fact, allow answering business questions much, much easier. On the UI side, I see some quick wins possible when it comes to, you know, also filling out form and still A lot of things go through creating, uh, let's say, a sales order or purchase order. And this can be something where the system assists for 90, 95% with predefined data, also depending on what information it receives from the end user. And that information, again, can come in the form of just a sentence in natural language. And then, obviously, everything that is small automation steps, automated workflows, those kind of things. I believe we can put in pretty quickly actually simple use cases that help end users to use the system in a better way and get their job done in a better way. And I believe sometimes we you know dream up about those tremendous use cases that add significant value and you quantify that in the millions. And certainly this is something we look into and work on, but that doesn't happen from one day to the other. More important in my mind is really those small things that everybody uses, everybody adopts, and it helps them. To make the job easier because again that will then help to drive adoption of the solution which we anyway ultimately want yeah that the end user sees the value of using a tool they see how it can actually help them do their job better that's something we will ship then pretty quickly now in the next couple of months and then of course we will also see some more sophisticated use cases especially in the area of supply chain that can then help and unlock tremendous business value in my
1: mind. One that I've seen recently is that in manufacturing, the quality inspection that using cameras to automate the quality inspection process and train the AI system to detect and predict resolutions or project resolutions as well.
0: Yeah, I think that that is something obviously where we can put in a lot of sophistication, and it's always in manufacturing. The earlier you find a defect or defect the better it is and the cheaper than eventually for the company. So we can actually use this technology to discover early in the production process and appropriate measures are then taken quickly and therefore reducing the reject rate and producing higher quality products at the end of the day, which is the whole point of this. And yeah, here, this is something which also I believe will get better and better. We must not forget that those models, the way they develop, it's tremendous. If you compare, for instance, JetGPT 3.5 with what's available now with 4 and other models on the market, and you ask the same question, so to speak, and compare the answers, you see that the quality of those answers is evolving at neck breaking speed, I would say. So therefore, yeah, we released certain things in the product and that will improve tremendously over time just by the models getting better. And therefore, I believe we will then see also increasing benefits that customers will be able to, to capture.
1: Jan, we're at the end of, of the podcast and there's one question that I ask all of our guests. As the person in charge of development of the largest ERP system in the world, I can't think of a better person to ask. So what do you see as the future of ERP?
0: (laughs) I I always describe the future with four characteristics. Intelligent, networked, collaborative and sustainable. Collaborative aspect, that's a very critical one, because at the end of the day, it's still humans that use a system. Despite all the help that they can get through artificial intelligence, but they work together and collaborate together. And I think more than ever within a company, but also then with all the connected partners that every company has, because every company acts in an ecosystem. And to enable that kind of collaboration, we do through the integration then with productivity tools like Microsoft or Google. I think that's a super important aspect of a cloud ERP solution of the future. And therefore this is also another area of investment we are taking. But other than that, like I said, intelligent, absolutely critical, networks. We talked about the business network and how we leverage it and then sustainable, which really becomes another dimension of value creation for ERP in the cloud. Jan,
1: thanks for a great conversation. This has been wonderful.
0: Absolutely. Thanks so much,
1: Richard. It was a pleasure to be here. And thanks everyone for listening. Please subscribe to the podcast series to get regular updates and information about future episodes. But until next time, from Jan, Oikiu and I, thank you for discussing the future of ERP.